Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Good morning. Welcome. If you're online, good morning to you too. Glad you're with us, participating in the church of God. I love this church. I love um, the church of Antioch. I love Christ church, and I'm so thankful to be here. I have a lot of pages of notes, but it's because I use a big font. It's hard to see when I'm nervous. Uh, but this morning, I pray that you are encouraged, that you're moved to press in to God and follow him more faithfully or more closely, or even commit to following Jesus for the first time. He's good and he's worth giving everything to. Um, so I'm Trisha. Jamie introduced me. I'm married to Jeff. Um, we're going on 20 years now. Um, he works really hard supporting our family. He's a, in fire service over in Arlington um, and started a business designing septic systems, taught himself CAD, which is, I think, super impressive. Um, so he's a great dude. We have three kids, um, Addie, Jackson, and Laura. They're all in the youth group. We love Graydon and Christina and all the others who um, minister to our kids. Um, Addie will be a junior, and Jackson will be a freshman at Grace Prep over in Arlington. And Laura um, is homeschooled with me and eager to go to school someday at a different school with more fun people than just me. She'll be going into seventh grade. Um, I get to teach at Bible Study Fellowship, and it is a ministry I love, more familiarly known as BSF acronyms. Um, It's a ministry I love because I grew up in church, I grew up familiar with God, familiar with the Bible, but I did not know God. I didn't know that he could be known. I didn't know about relationship with God. Um, I just didn't know how to walk with him. And as an adult, I heard for the first time um, that he could be known, that he knows me and loves me and wants relationship with me. And I could have relationship with the living God. And I did not know how to do that, but I wanted to. Um, and a friend invited me to BSF, and it is there that God taught me how to study the scriptures to know him. Um, He drew me to himself, and so it's a great privilege to me to get to serve in that same ministry that so ministered to me. And then I also homeschool Laura, and will have kids home doing school at home often. I raise chickens. Um, I keep the circus running that is our life. Um, our family, it, we just have a good time together. We're, our kids are very flexible. Right now we're navigating big change. We're moving from Alito to Arlington. Um, so they're flexible and adventure, adventurous, and we just enjoy the next adventure, whatever that looks like for us. We've had some hard years as a family, and it's hard to talk about. I will probably cry a little, but that's okay. Um, but as we've navigated some hard, hard things that I'll tell about, um, I've learned that God Almighty is perfect in all of his ways. Even when things don't look good, he is perfect. Our circumstances don't change him. They affect us. Hopefully they change us for the better, but God is not changed by our circumstances. And I find so much security and hope in that truth that he is unchanging and perfect already and always, forever. 
So if you're a note taker, you can open up the app um, and find an outline in the sermon notes. And if you're not, write it down or whatever. If you don't have the app, here's where we're going this morning. My main thing that I want you to walk away knowing is that through thick and thin, through joy and sorrow, God Almighty is perfect in all his ways. You can trust him. He is good. He is enough. He is worth placing your hope on. He does not change. He is perfectly good perfectly faithful and perfectly wise. And we're going to unpack that looking at two passages in Matthew. And I'll tell a couple of stories of how he's shown me um, evidences of his goodness and faithfulness and wisdom in the last couple of years. So let me pray. Let's get started. Father, you are faithful. You are good. You are our hope, our salvation. You are life. You have already done everything that we need by providing salvation in you, and yet you continue to walk with us and love us and bless us and draw us closer to you. Thank you for relationship with you. Thank you for being a God who makes himself known. We love you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Well, I loved, um, back in the spring, we started this series overview of the story of God and tracing God's faithfulness to his people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, all of history, biblical history, and then even, you know, moving into current history, God's eternal story transcending all generations, all of time, all cultures, all places, one story, one God, and I love it. I love thinking of one story that we are now a part of. Collectively, we're a part of this story, but also individually. We, our story is just a thread woven into this bigger story. And I was, as we were worshiping, I looked down and there's this little thread loose on my shirt. And I thought, if I pulled that out, it'd mess up my shirt. But without each of our stories, it's not as good. It's good when we participate in the story of God. He is glorified. He is glorified in us and through us to others. So I hope that this series has led you to reflect and be encouraged to press on, but also maybe to reflect and repent and jump in. He is worth it. He's worth it. And I want to admit that often I'm sitting right there and I'm thinking, gosh, I want to be more like him or her. And I want my story to be more like that. And I think I want to edit my story to be more interesting or have a greater, more obvious impact or whatever. Um, But as I reflect on that, I think about, yeah, some stories are more splashy or dramatic um, or exciting. And we're really curious about that stuff in people's lives, but not necessarily attracted to that. It's not appealing. It's usually involving suffering and hardship. And that, that doesn't draw us to, you know, to want more of that, but we want what comes from that. And the fruit that is born from suffering is often sanctification, which leads us to intimacy with God. That is what is gained through hard things, intimacy with God. And that's what's attractive about other people's stories to me, is the intimacy they have gained. Intimacy with the Father, God, eternal King, the one who loves us. What more could we possibly want? What more could we want than intimacy with our God? And my working definition of intimacy, uh, relational intimacy, is affection, deep understanding, knowing, being known, enjoying, comfortable, familiar, 
just being together. When you get to know a new friend, you get to know each other, you grow closer to each other, you get more comfortable with each other. Over time, that happens. And we also grow in intimacy and relationship with the Lord. But it is not a mutual growth. He already knows us fully. He already enjoys us completely. He is fully present with us. It is one-sided growth. He has no growth. He doesn't need to grow or change or mature or get better. He already is. Could he love us more? Could he know us more? Could he be more faithful? Could he accept us more? Um, he, he doesn't need to change. God Almighty is perfect in all of his ways. He is faithful to who he is, eternal God. And he is unchanging and he is worth following and giving your life to. So it seems to me that as we grow through as we go through stuff and we persevere through trials and we will and as we submit to the work that he's doing in our lives we see evidence of his godness and his goodness and his faithfulness and we grow in intimacy with him. So in our BSF study last year, we studied through the book of Matthew. And one of my favorite things of the study was looking at the disciples. And they were men. They were men who were part of a crowd. And they had probably heard of Jesus of Nazareth. They probably heard John the Baptist teaching about Jesus. Maybe they heard him speak. Eventually, they're invited to follow Jesus, and they do. They don't really fully grasp who he is. It's very clear through the narrative that at first, they're just like, who is this? But they know he's worth following at all costs. And so turn to Matthew chapter 8, and as you're turning there, just want to give you a little bit of things to think about. So these men had heard of Jesus. They're following Jesus as they're walking with him. They had heard more of his teaching. They had witnessed miracles. They had seen his power. They had spent time with him. They have traveled with him. They have done so many things together. And they are growing in relationship with the Lord. But it's still pretty new. In chapter 8, look at verse uh, 23. Um, This is the portion of scripture where Jesus calms the storm. So he tells them, let's go get in the boat. They go with him. And I'm just going to read it so that I don't try to summarize awkwardly. Look at verse 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. So the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. Storms are common on the Sea of Galilee. They blow up suddenly because of the terrain and geography that I don't fully understand, but it's a normal thing. And these men were familiar with the water, but they're scared. They are afraid they're going to be swamped. They're afraid that the boat might capsize, and Jesus is sleeping. Now, they had seen him work. They know he has power, and maybe they want him to perform a miracle here and now, or maybe they just want somebody else to help bail water out so they don't you know, go under. And they wake him up and call to him. And he replies to them in verse 26, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What kind of man is this that the winds and the waves obey him? 
Now, a couple of things. This little faith, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? It's not that they didn't have enough faith or a small faith. It's misplaced faith is little faith. And our faith does grow and it is strengthened, so it does change and is developed over time, but our faith must be placed on God alone. And they're looking at the problem, and they're looking for a fix, not at the Lord himself with them, because they don't know. But our faith must be placed on the Lord alone, and we look to him because he is who we can trust. He's the only one we can trust. And their response They had witnessed Jesus's power over sickness and disease, demons, and now over nature. And the wind and the rain, the water becomes completely still. What kind of man is this? They do not grasp that he is God. Now, we all have storms in our lives. Job loss, health, conflict, finances, I mean, you know, you can think of probably last week, experienced something hard. And often, so often, we look at a problem and we think we know how to fix it. And we say, okay, here's my problem, Lord. Help me fix it. Help me fix it. We want dramatic intervention so that it becomes completely calm, just like here. But more often, when we're out on the water and a storm blows through, when the storm goes away and the winds and the rain stop, usually the water is still pretty choppy for a while. There's still a lot of waves. And that's what I've experienced with life more usually, that maybe the storm goes, the hard thing moves on, but there's a lot of long-lasting effects that um, impact us. So th- something um, that one way that I've just learned, the Lord with us, And that is he who we need in the storm, not a fix, not a solution, but he himself um, was just through some hard things last year. So in March of last year, my mom got a cold. She had a cough and we didn't notice right away for a variety of reasons, which is strange because we had a lot of daily overlap with my mom. Uh, She lived five minutes away. We just loved it. And... um, ended up she had COVID and it got very serious and it progressed and she needed to be hospitalized. And that's kind of when we were like, oh, wow, she's really sick. Oh, okay, got to go to the hospital. So it was awful for her, for her and for us, for her to go to the hospital with COVID. Isolation, um, anytime she needed something in the hospital, the, the nurse or the caretaker would have to get full protection, PPE, um, to get dressed. That takes a while to put all that on. Um, the nurse to patient ratio, the exhaustion of caretakers during the COVID and even still long lasting effects. Um, she was alone a lot and she was despairing and declining rapidly. Um, I think primarily from a lack of encouragement and someone there with her, because we're not created to do things alone. We need people with us. Um, And it was hard for us to hear her despair and to not be able to step in and help and do anything. Um, But as the Lord would have it, spring break was coming and our children, all three of them had various plans to spend the week with friends. And they did, they were gone for the week traveling and Jeff and I were home with nothing to do. Um, so we were, by the grace of God and Jeff's energy um, spent, we were able to get mom dismissed from the hospital and come home to us. She came home with a lot of oxygen, um, tubes, <laughs> bucket of medicine, 
Uh, we got to feed her and help her with her lung exercises and respond quickly. We were very available and we were able to care for her and it was such a privilege. Um, but the most important thing is that we had time. We got to talk, we got to have meals together. My niece and nephew came over almost every day and my brothers, we had time with her and it was good. And it did seem like she was getting better because her, her mind was better and her countenance was soft. Um, but she didn't get better. She had to go back to the hospital. We advocated for me to be able to be in the hospital with her as a caretaker, but the answer was no, and it was really hard to leave her there. Um, but Jeff worked really hard and worked every angle and every connection and fought and secured permission for us to be able to visit her in the hospital in COVID isolation. It was a miracle, and we know that it is something that only the Lord did. Um, so we all took turns visiting her, one person a day, 15 minutes, fully protected in the gear that was very hot. Um, and we all got to visit her while she was in the hospital. And she kept getting worse. Um, we had to have some really hard conversations about what she wanted and how things might would go. And every time we had to talk about anything about the end or her condition, she would say, I'm fine. I'll be fine. I have my promises. And in her Bible, she had written scriptures. Um, it got to where she was too tired to turn and look, but she had it written in the front of her Bible. Um, and somebody had to write for her eventually, but scripture after scripture, prayer after prayer that she was clinging to. And she wasn't her, she, her faith didn't waver, but her faith wasn't in she's going to get healed right here, right now. We hoped for that. We knew God could. Um, but her faith was in the Lord God, come what may, no matter what. She knew she would be fine, and she was. Her faith was well-placed, and it carried her peacefully um, to her death. And she and we did hope for healing. We knew that he could, and he didn't. He didn't allow her to live here now. And there were hundreds praying. I know a lot of you were praying for mom and for us, asking for healing, believing that he could. And he didn't. And that doesn't make him less God. And it doesn't make him less good. That is true. And that is the only thing that helps us to carry on in great loss and in great suffering. He is still God. He is still good. But what good comes from that? from it for us now on the other side. Some days it hurts and I can't see anything good at all. Um, but most days, more and more often, I'm able to look back and think of his goodness to me, his nearness, his comfort, his presence, just ministering to me as only the Lord can, um, seeing how he ministered to others. And I know him more. I have intimacy with him that I, I didn't have before. Um, that it had not that it was gained through great loss and hard suffering and a tough time, um, but he is perfectly good, and that is enough. It is enough. It has to be enough. That is our only hope that he is enough. He didn't answer the way we wanted, but he is God, and his ways are good, y'all. He is faithful to himself. He is faithful to his promises. He is wise in all things. He is God, unchanging, always faithful God. So intimacy gained through losing her helps me face hard days that are here now and to come later. We grow in the Lord when we suffer with him. And hard things happen, right? Suffering is certain. We're all going to experience it if you haven't already. 
Um, faith cannot be in the ability to avoid suffering, to avoid hard things, um, or a quick resolution to a trial, or the Lord removing all hard things from our path. That cannot be our hope. It cannot be where we place our faith. Our faith must, must be in God himself, in him alone, sovereign Lord, good in all his ways, wise and faithful God. That same God who invites us into his story so that we get to participate in the kingdom story woven in and through the lives of others. His ways are perfect and he is enough. So later in Matthew, turn over a few pages to chapter 14, the disciples are starting to grasp his godness and his enoughness. And as we read, um, starting in verse 22, this is another time that they're out on the water in a storm. Um, as we read these 12 verses, think about Jesus as a man and as, as, a, as God. Think of his um, actions, his instructions, what he had them do, what he was aware of, because he is a man and he is God. So think about that as I read, as we read together. Verse 22 of chapter 14. It's on the screen if you need it. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. He needed time with his father. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. They struggled for a long time. That's what that means. Fourth watch, he walked out onto the lake. And when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water, and he came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? And then after all of that time and after all of that, when they climbed into the boat in verse 32, then the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. This narrative, this tiny little piece of this narrative, has ministered to me so much in the past year and helps me to see God working in my life. Because when Jesus made them get in the boat and go on ahead, did he not know the wind would come? Did he not know that they would struggle for so long? Did he not know as he's praying on the mountain, was he not aware of their hardship and that they needed him? Did he know? Yeah, he's God, he knows, he knew, and he sent them on. Now he could have gone with them, he could have stilled the wind immediately, he could have made the passage smooth for them. He didn't. And if he had done that, what would they have missed out on? A lot. He comes to them. He reveals himself to them. He calls Peter out to him. He reaches out his hand to catch Peter when Peter falters. And then they get in the boat. And then, then the wind dies down. He took long enough. Don't you sometimes think that when you're struggling? Like, oh my goodness, enough. It's been so long. I've got it. I've learned my lesson, right? 
No, <laughs> we don't know. But it's sometimes we think that. We too long, Lord. But they have the perfect response to the Lord. They worship him and they acknowledge that he is God. Truly, you are the son of God. They get it. This is the first time they have declared who he is. And that's not how I tend to respond to storms, especially not when I'm in them. More often I think, why? Stop, it's been long enough. Make it better, make it stop. In our limited understanding, we want a smoother path, we want quick healing, we want the right answer, especially when we're in the middle of it. It is so hard to see the wisdom of the Lord. But sometimes God's perfect wisdom and his faithfulness is more clear when we look back. Hindsight helps us to see evidences of his goodness and that we can trust his wisdom. And that helps us in the next thing. We can see when we look back that he is always working for our eternal good. And then we can cling to that when we face the next stuff. If the Lord made our paths easy, what would we miss out on? What would we miss the lesson in? Now, remember when I said that we didn't notice my mom was sick right away, which is a strange thing. There were extenuating circumstances. Um, and then when we were able to bring my mom home for spring break because Jeff and I had nothing to do, um, that's odd because this man has a job and I usually do a lot of stuff. Um, but the reason we were so home and so available is that Jeff was beginning a 90-day suspension from work, from fire service, and I share this with his permission. Um, Jeff is straight-laced, trustworthy, and honorable. He's never been in trouble his whole entire life. So this was earth shattering for us. Um, he's never had a pink slip or a detention. He's never had his name on the board in elementary school. Like he, this guy, you can trust him to do the right thing. And that is true, that is true. Um, many of you know that is true. So, um, you know, no details here, but some poor decisions at work, because still a person, um, but rather than a slap on the wrist or some training or support, um, the chief moved to fire Jeff, um, to be fired from fire service. And firefighters have a lot of job security. Um, they're always needed, and they rarely get fired, and they never get laid off. Like, there is job security in the fire service, and we really were, you know, banking on it and found a lot of security knowing that Jeff would always have a job um, that would always be there. So this was, this was a big deal. And I've placed my security in a lot of things in my life, in my own goodness or in my ability to understand or control things and in my family and in my job, in Jeff's job. Um, but none of these things are eternal. <laughs> none of them are unchanging and none of them are really secure. So that's a whole nother sermon. But it was unjust. And, um, you know, we had this big thing in front of us. And I'm not mild mannered. And some people think I'm very sweet, but I am not. So I was geared up for a fight because it, I want justice. And so um, I was thinking, and you know, we were talking, and I was like, okay, oh, you're gonna get fired so we can fight back and everything will come to light and it'll be public and that's really important. And that's the purpose in this. It makes it worth it. I just know that's the reason this is happening. Um, and that is not the reason it was happening, but it, Jeff, in his wisdom, um, 
did not do that and negotiated he came back to the chief and negotiated a ninety day suspension a very hefty fine and a time of probation when he does come back to work in lieu of being fired and um, that was good the chief said yes so we that day drained our savings account to pay the fine and Jeff came home to grow out his beard, which we love. Firefighters can't have beards. Um, so we're like, grow it out. 90 days worth is a lot of beard. So <laughs> it's good. If you met Jeff during that time, he had a lot of facial hair and you might not recognize him anymore. <laughs> so, um, but really, really, we were devastated. It, the beard was just a perk, but we were devastated. We felt very lost. We felt just shaken and scared and like, how will we eat? Um, but God, because here's what he did. If Jeff had not been home, we would have not brought my mom home from the hospital in the first place during spring break. It's his medical experience and his confidence caretaking that gave us the being able to be comfortable to have her there in her condition. Um, his undivided attention to add, helped, gave him time to advocate to bring her home. It was not easy getting her discharged. Um, and then gaining visiting rights later. I mean, he, he had nothing to focus on, nothing else to worry about. And um, so he was very undivided. That undivided attention helped with details when we brought her home at the end and helped us to navigate what that would look like for us. Um, and maybe also then to help plan her funeral when she passed and burial and undivided attention for three months. It was about two and a half months after that, but um, maybe two, to help us navigate moving forward in life without mom. And that was a big change and very hard, not just the loss of mom, but also how do we do life without her? She was very involved in our lives. When trouble came, it felt like the worst thing that could ever happen. We were devastated. The career Jeff loved was threatened. Our finances were gone, our security. It felt like the tiniest misstep would end in unemployment. We just felt like we were laid bare. Um, but God used Jeff's trouble, so my mom didn't have to die alone in a hospital room. And that was good. I'm thankful for that. She got to come home surrounded by her entire family. And I don't think that would have happened if Jeff hadn't gotten in big old trouble at work. So sometimes I want to thank the chief, you know, not really, but sometimes a little bit. Um, I shouldn't have said that. So anyway, if he had been even on his regular work rhythm, he wouldn't have been available to help us and lead us through a terrible time. So was it good? No. Did we like it? No. Would we choose it? No. Would we write this in our story? No. No, absolutely not. And that's why we're not the author of our own story. We, we don't have the wisdom to know what we need. If I were the author, then I would, my story would be pleasant and good. And I'd never write suffering into it. And I would never grow. I would not know the Lord so well. Um, what would we miss out on if we were our, the authors of our own story? Followers of Jesus need to know that God is perfect. He is trustworthy. His ways are good. He doesn't change. We can follow him at all costs. We are strengthened to face persecution and trials. 
of every kind. The disciples had to learn this as they walked with Jesus. We have to learn this now. We need to know that he is good. He is unchanging. He is enough. The Lord's revelation to us in hard places are evidences of his godness. They strengthen our faith. Do you see those things in your own life? It's hard to miss it, or it's hard to see it when you're in the midst, but think back to his goodness to you um, as you reflect on things through thick and thin, through joy and sorrow. God Almighty is perfect in all of his ways. He is enough, and I know that's true. And I still don't like the story, but it is true. So if ministry team wants to come on up and worship team, we're gonna have a time of ministry if you wanna stand up. And think about times of storms in your own life. Sometimes we turn to the Lord and we cling to him through storms. That's sometimes something we've learned to do. Y'all can come on up. But often we turn away from God, we blame him for the storm, or we're frustrated that it's lasting too long. So how are you responding to him in your trials? You can turn to him now. He's available, he doesn't change. He is near to you, he's present with you. He says, come on. So if you need to turn to him, to cling to him with hope, do that. How has he strengthened you during a time of trial? How has he strengthened you to face tomorrow? Tomorrow's gonna come. Come what may, we walk with the Lord in it.